0: Thank <sharp inhale> you. Paul Stringfellow and welcome to another edition of Tech Interviews. On this week's show, we're going to dig into uh, one of our favorite topics, which is the exploration of a good old IT acronym. Um, So on target for us this week is going to be the phrase AIOps. What it is, how do we avoid the hype when it comes to talking about things like machine learning and artificial intelligence? Um, And what inspired this show, actually, was when I was contacted by a colleague of uh, this week's guest, um, and he shared with me some ideas and some of the conversations that they have, and particularly around this idea of uh, demystifying what we mean when we talk about AI helps, and particularly this idea of avoiding the machine learning hype. Um, So um, why don't we jump into that topic by introducing this week's guest, uh, and joining me this week is Casey Kindergård. Casey, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me this week.
0: Uh, Thanks for thanks for being on the show. Appreciate your time. Um, So, um, well, before we uh, before we jump in, as as we always do, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little about who you are and what it is you do.
1: Yeah. So, my name is Casey Kindeger. I'm the CEO of Grokstream. I am uh, a serial entrepreneur. Before founding Grokstream, I started a an IT process automation company called Resolve Systems. I co-founded it and. Ended up selling it to Insight Venture Partners, um, and before that, I started an IT services company, kind of in this same IT operations space. So, so I've been in this space for a while. Um, in, you know, in the last ten years, I've become increasingly interested in the 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 idea that machine learning can really make a big impact in the domain that I've been working in. So that's really what I do at Grok. I mean, I am i um, very much focused on the data science, the machine learning, the science behind what we do these days. I have a, a, a great team uh, partner um, and, uh, that, that focus on kind of the, the, the business side of things. I'm very focused on the technology, in particular, the machine learning and the data science.
0: Well, I think you've um, maybe more than any other guest, you've kind of uh, ticked many of uh, of the IT futurist topics there, haven't we? We've talked about machine learning, we've talked about AI, um, we've talked about data science, um, you know. And I think all of those topics are interesting. And and I suppose what caught my attention when when your colleague um, contacted me about uh, maybe doing a show together was an idea of trying to avoid the hype you know trying to make you know avoid some of the mistakes that i think many of us when when we hear about something new and exciting many many of the mistakes that um that we often rush into um and i particularly like in this kind of area of the industry the idea that all of this is so very simple and we can just turn it on and magic will happen um i I always find that a fascinating concept because i think we'll probably maybe we'll maybe look at some of this in that um it's a little bit more complex than that. there's a little bit more to it. but um but maybe before we start that, I, I use a phrase in my introduction around this idea of AI ops. So maybe for those who are not familiar with that phrase or maybe not come across it before, do you want to set a little bit of context of what it is we mean when we talk about AI ops?
1: That sounds great, yeah, and I'll do I'll do it in two ways. First, I'll give you the, the sort of the simple definition and and then I want to tell a story and kind of compare because this is really a big change for folks that have been in this industry for a long time. So, I mean, the sort of the short answer is that AIOps is really the process of applying machine learning or data science to improving IT operations, using all the tools available to improve the IT operations processes. Um, It's a broad category, um, and it doesn't sound that exciting, but I'll kind of give you some background and a story that, that gives you a sense of how fundamental this is. So... First, I'll I'll kind of state something that's obvious to to everyone that's really in this space, and that is that the machine learning is forcing is really driving a shift in how IT operations happens. I mean, it's it's pushing us to rethink how kind of the boundaries of the um, you know the work that we do every day are, are shifting, and um, you know. Where I think it's kind of interesting to kind of um, compare it to is if you look at the change in how humans kind of how scientists understood the way that human learning happens, how that shifted starting about 50 years ago. Okay, there was this this cognitive revolution that changed from sort of a behaviorist understanding of human learning and, and, and uh, reacting to... Um, a, a more complex understanding really. And, you know, from the behavior side, everyone's pretty familiar with guys like Pavlov, like Pavlov's dog experiments, okay? Um, that that kind of thinking, um, you know, span back, you know, hundreds of years. And, uh, but the problem with it is, is it didn't really explain a very wide um, variety of behaviors that we actually see in the world. So it was really simplistic. Um, in a similar way, uh, before AI ops started pushing the boundaries that, that I'm talking about, the IT operation world built intelligence into our systems um, by encoding these specific sort of st- stimulus-response behaviors in the systems that we built. So it's it's really similar. Like for for example, we would build um, uh, fixed thresholds around telemetry data to tell us um, if CPU utilization spiked or memory utilization spiked, right? We would encode fixed responses that that trigger certain behavior, depending on how these, you know, these thresholds get hit. Um, we would encode um, uh, a lot of fixed rules around kind of processing because that ended up pushing a lot of data to analysts to understand what's happening. And so we'd build a whole bunch of, fi- of these correlation rules. Like if then, you know, um, conditional, uh, analysis of the, all the data coming in to try and skinny it down so we can make a decision on what to do. So rules upon rules, tons of rules that encoded behavior at each layer of the kind of the, um, environment. And, you know, it just didn't work. I mean, it, it you know, has the limitations are pretty obvious, right? Um, things change so quickly in IT the services that that are on top change and the infrastructure below change so it, it just doesn't work very well um, what ai ops is all about is really changing this rules based management thinking to a paradigm that's based on cognitive processes that really learn and adapt at their core and that that's really what ai ops is all about
0: and yeah, I, I think in there you, you make some, some really interesting points and you know and, and i think it's very true of quite a lot in IT at the moment. I think when we talk about some of kind of these new trends in a specific area, so in the, in the area of kind of improving operations, in in this case i think we when we look more broadly across the technology infrastructure we start to see very similar things i love the pavlov kind of pavlovian response idea you know the idea that something's gone wrong so it must be dns you know we always you know that that's almost the it pavlovian response and and the business response is something's not working it must be it's fault you know and and how do we and I, and I suppose a challenge with that kind of fixed thinking. You know, if, if we were to look at the world of antivirus anti-malware software, yeah, you know, we've seen that that has moved away from this idea of signature-based, trying to react to things that we already know. Because a lot of the challenges we're facing in that space are things that we don't already know. You know, we're looking for user behavior, we're looking for odd behaviors that don't match the norm, and we've had to evolve into that because actually the speed of the speed of threat i suppose in that space is such that we can't rely on somebody's found something we update a bunch of signatures and database information quickly enough that we'll catch it next time is is that kind of the same driver that you're seeing in terms of operations as well
1: that's exactly right i mean the the reality is it never actually worked the rules based approach in a microcosm felt like we were we were accomplishing something right we would Something would break, or there, there, you know, we we would get an intrusion, and we we would address that after the fact by building a set of conditional responses, and it just doesn't work. Um, and, and it's exactly what you know, the you know, the the challenge with it just gets magnified the more complex the underlying systems get, and the more complex the services that ride on top are, and so now it's sort of you know obvious to everyone that the the rules driven approach you know doesn't solve the problem that really what we've done is thrown bodies at it in the past that's fundamentally what we've done um and the only way to approach kind of automation systematically is by using machine learning models flexible thinking encapsulated in machine learning models
0: and do you think um because i think one of the other challenges we see again across the technology stack in general you know and i do a lot of work in the, the data space so we we see a lot of this is driven by the constant change in demand on data, the amount of data that we're generating. Again, is that something that you're seeing in terms of why operations needs to evolve? Because actually, the the you, you know, you talked there before about kind of the speed of change, but also the scale of change. Is it because as business becomes more demanding of its technology stack, that we need to react more quickly? And as the environment becomes more complex, you know, it's no longer that environment in a data center, it's Hugely distributed workforces. It's locations using public cloud. It's using partner organizations. You know, is is that is it kind of that growth in d- demand for speed of change, speed? You know, the size and scale of the problem. Is that having to drive an evolution in a way that we look at operations?
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it, and part of it is the the growing complexity. Humans are great at thinking linearly, right? We don't parallel process. And as the complexity of the the inbound flow of information grows, the the requirements for if if we're if we're you know doing if we're using a, a broken rules based approach, we're really relying on people to think through the phenomena each time they occur, and it just requires exponentially more people to do it. So the way I look at it, the primary driver really is the complexity of the underlying data. The the good news on the operations side is that. We have tons of data. There is no no shortage of high quality operational data flowing from our our services today. We do a great job in, of instrumenting and processing that data. What we don't do is a lot of useful things with it. We we um, you know that to me that's really there's a there's a hugely valuable treasure that is nascent in every enterprise, and the you know we view that as just you know, a tremendous opportunity that we we've been focused on, and that's really you know the essence of what we do.
0: So I think you make a really good point there, actually, about the amount. It, it's not a shortage of data that we can turn into useful information. It's ne- it, It's having the ability to take all of that data and turn it into interesting information, and and I suppose that leads on to kind of the thing that really caught my attention uh, about having this conversation with you, and that's the idea of. How do we avoid this kind of hype around this kind of thing? Because the, the thing that really struck me with that last sentence was, I think what we tend to find is lots of people go, great, I've got loads of data. So what I can do is just push some machine learning at it and it will magically tell me things. Um, so, I mean, one, is that true? And if it isn't, how do we avoid thinking it is and doing something about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, clearly it's it's not true. Like the 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 problem is that there is, is really so much opportunity that, um, we have to carefully think through what business value, what specific business value we're going to target and, and, um, you know, how we're going to measure that and, you know, um, communicate it incrementally as we, as we sort of exploit this big opportunity that we have. Um, so, you know. You know, I would say, don't afraid to be boring. Like really, you know, this is an exciting topic, but don't up, be afraid to be boring right up front and start with what your typical KPIs are. You know, don't, you know, for incident management, you can look at simple things like the number of incidents per week or the number of incidents per day. So think about incident flow and driving that, that number down. For problem management, you can think about things like time to identify the root cause. Okay, for change management, sim, you know, similarly, we can, we can grab some, some very simple metrics. You know, there's a large basket of, of opportunity that exists in standard KPIs built around IT processes. We don't have to be, you know, super creative there. But what I would say, like a, um, a, uh, a really good uh, uh, tip would be, look at what your business is currently talking about. Like, what are the key priorities? and just prioritize the the ones you know try to align what you're trying to accomplish with what the sort of key priorities of the overall organization are because consensus building and getting buy-in for both the metric and the the how you're how you're measuring the the value over time is really important you've got people need to believe that that on one hand um, you know, you're actually accomplishing what you say you're going to accomplish but they also have to believe that that that's important. So getting that buy-in early is super important. So you know these are just some some ways of ensuring that number one you don't overshoot, and number two you, you're you're getting incremental buy-in as you sort of roll out your program because it, it is not a one-shot. You know it's not a moonshot. This is a, a program that is transformational. It changes. Every single IT process, every single sort of ITIL process, if you will, it will fundamentally shift all of those. And but it's not going to do it overnight. It requires careful thought, careful planning, and it really requires that you engage the organization in that process.
0: So the um, so the first part of your answer there would have been a huge disappointment to everybody because I'm sure people were hoping that what you were going to say was Casey was going to say there's just a magic button and we just press it and everything is fine. So uh, so there's real disappointment there. So um, so you know that, that, that there'll be a whole bunch of people sticking pins in dolls of you i would think from now on um, yeah. but uh, but i think what what's again what intrigued me with that answer is is the parallels you're seeing elsewhere because I, i'm a huge advocate of some of this kind of stuff around the idea of buying you know buying across an organisation you know and it's not just buying at the very top, from the decision makers, because while well, that's important because we might need to spend money on doing some of this, you know. So, so somebody's got to buy into that. It needs to be buying across the entire organisation, and and often what I see, what often this thing I see that drives that is because we're making cultural shift as well this is not just a technology shift this is a cultural shift in the in the way we operate is is that similar in terms of the the way you're looking at ai ops in that actually for an organization to go and embrace this kind of stuff and feel the benefits of it there needs to be cultural change as well this is not just about technology adoption
1: yeah i mean it definitely is because the the if you think about it the the human to machine interaction portion of what i've what i've been talking what we've been talking about here is is really huge it is taking a big part of the the workload that people do today which is just information processing you know it's one step beyond the pavlovian response and and that's not exciting work but humans can do it they just can't do it real well in parallel but there's a lot more work that is way more interesting and challenging and exciting for people to do um but you know, any kind of transformation like this, you know, initially is perceived, is felt like a threat on, on current kind of workloads. Um, but the reality is it's a huge opportunity to, to upshift the, the work that folks on, in the IT teams do today. So I think, you know, it, it is a, uh, you know, it, engaging the teams into the process early on getting them excited building evangelists across the organization is huge and it not only kind of speaks to the topic that we're discussing today which is the business value it helps us communicate and and reinforce the business value as we go but it also helps bolster the success of the overall program as you as you stated i mean it's a huge part of of the success of any any kind of transformational initiative we we need to get that and especially with Machine learning and AI, because everyone has these, you know, giant killer robots in their head, um, and so there's some natural response, you know, uh, re- um, reactions to that idea when when you start bringing it into the organization. So, so yeah, I think I think you make a really good point.
0: Yeah, nobody wants Skynet in their uh, ops department, uh, which which is true. Um, so so I've, I, I think you've talked a couple of times about kind of the um, the benefit, the organizational benefit, the, the, the benefit of kind of embracing this kind of technology approach uh, and, and this kind of operational approach. So, you know, so if I'm listening to this and I'm an IT decision maker, I might be listening to this and thinking this all sounds great, but the reality of what I can hear is this might be hard and this might be expensive. So, you know, what what are some of the So, so maybe maybe deal with that question first. But also, what are some of the benefits that you've seen where organisations embrace this kind of approach? Well, what what has been some of the 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 kind of the outcome, the benefit, and the chain of of the changes that you've seen?
1: I mean, I mean, the if planned correctly, the the outcome is um, significant and uh, you know um, easily measured and observed. And for example, in uh, just the sort of lower level portions of IT operations, where we're monitoring and instrumenting the infrastructure, right? And we're trying to process all that data to make sensible decisions from it. Um, You know, whereas before we would spend time building correlation rules and implementing correlation tools and implementing um, very difficult CMDB style projects to to build rules from, um, with, with machine learning and with AI ops, we can, we can encapsulate that body of work into flexible and adaptive algorithms. And within just, you know, we, we've seen within a month of deployment, um, reducing incident volumes by 80%. And that's across a global organization. uh, uh and it's, you know, w- which sounds like pie in the sky, But but the reality is so much of the work that people are doing right now is at that lower level kind of, um, you know, one step beyond Pavlovian response, but not that far removed. That can easily can very readily be done with a machine learning model. So so the you know, if you plan out the initiatives well, the the impact is is large, but has to be focused like you have to know what you're trying to to um to uh, attack before you start rolling out machine learning technology. Before you start rolling out AI ops, know exactly what benefit targets you, you have in mind and focus the efforts around those benefit targets.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? That you know, we we. I mean, we're talking here about kind of you know le- leading edge technology when we start talking about machine learning and, and AI, and you know, and these things aren't off the shelf. There's there's work to 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 be done in in embracing this because of you know, like we talked about before, not just technological change, but but cultural change as well. Um, but it's also interesting, isn't it, in terms of planning to deploy IT. You know, that the focus should actually be. What are the outcomes, and that should never have, you know that that's something that we should have all been doing for a very long time. You know, it's if we're going to deliver any IT project, what's the business benefit? What are the outcomes? What are the goals for this project? Um, and I think you know, alongside that, there should always be that element of, and where are we right now? You know, I think often sometimes you know pe- people know where they want to get to, but often don't really know where they're starting from, which is a which is a whole problem. Maybe a machine learning algorithm that tells us where we are to, at the start would be would be helpful as well. Um, so. You know, So so I think, you know, all, all of those things are kind of really interesting, uh, you know, and, and it's a great mix between new approaches and taking classical approaches in terms of how we go around achieving this. So, you know, if, if I'm, again, if I'm listening to this show as, a, as somebody making IT decision making and like the idea of improving my operational efficiency, making sure that my IT staffed week is spent on things that are, you know, are gonna deliver better outcomes and and better value to the business than running around you know dealing with operational issues that actually with a little bit of thought and investment we could take away and and really improve the efficiency of how we deal with them. So if I'm listening at that and say, well, that sounds like a good idea have you got a, maybe two or three tips that you would give to somebody to say if you're gonna start down this route, what are the kind of things you should be focusing on what what are the, what are the kind of things to think about
1: yeah yeah i think what i'll i'll give two um sort of traps to avoid uh which i think will be even more useful and then one grand slam opportunity tip like that that everyone should really um take advantage of when they start planning for the this type of program so first the uh i think the most important trap to avoid is any rules driven benefit hypothesis so um there are lots of folks that are attacking this space with sort of sprinkling a little bit of machine learning on top of of legacy rules kind of based paradigms and that just doesn't scale so you can you can get pilots to be successful but you can't scale that as an overall kind of strategy for delivering ongoing and and wide kind of success with ai ops and you know you know that you're kind of about to fall into those traps if if you know the the model of deployment requires a a CMDB or a topology topological map of the network right so um, you know even if the the topology is based on a kind of a quote unquote auto discovered um, map of the network those those are just too rigid and they're not adaptive enough to build um, uh, uh, sort of um adaptive machine learning models on top so that that's that you know you're going to fall into the trap if if you see if if kind of if you're building on top of a, of a topological approach the second way you know that you're falling into the trap if it heavily relies on like if you're if your architecture your design heavily relies on the kind of low level instrumentation of thresholds um uh you know, that that's sort of starting out of the gates the, the wrong way, and it and it makes it really difficult. You can again, you can build a pilot that's successful, but it's really hard to build on top of that. You need to get you need to to be able to ingest raw operational data without uh, um, rules at the base level. Thir- the third way you know you're about to fall fall into that trap, and I've talked about this a little bit earlier, is if you're building, you know, if you're using some machine learning. But the outcome of it is a set of, of correlation rules or a set of of conditional logic. So you can you can do that. You can run some statistical analysis and you can extract some some information that lets you build fixed rules, but at the end of the day, they're fixed rules. And they're that's not using the ML the way that you know maximally benefits you. So those are kind of three ways that you know you're about to fall into to to a trap that you should avoid kind of up front. Um, the second trap is uh, avoiding. And this is a little bit technical, but you know if you've gone, if you've started down this path, you'll know what I'm talking about. Avoid manual labeling requirements for classification. So classification is one of the tool sets that you'll use in AIOps. and um, you you want to make sure that you're you haven't again designed a pilot that looks really really good but doesn't ha- you, you haven't thought about how you're going to incorporate new information into the models. Um, and that's, you know, an absolute necessity that you don't require data munging and analytics, um, at each learning step, if you do then growing it and expanding it and frank- frankly, managing it is going to be really tough. Okay. So those are two things not to do. <laughs> um, um, the, the, the tip that I'll give for everyone starting out to, to really try to drive all of your um, outcomes to uh, directly increasing um, uh, automation. And, and, you know, best case scenario, that means you actually have a run book at the end of your, of your, your workflow, your AI ops workflow that, that gets kicked off and the the, the response or the, the result of that run book, which is an automated, you know, set of actions that happen actually feeds back into the learning process. Um, you don't have to get that sophisticated right up front, but that should be really our goal. Our goal is to bring the cognitive process all the way to the action steps and, and let those actions feed back into the workflow. So again, that's kind of where the, the vision is, but the, the closer you can get to that, the better, um, it, uh, you know, it's easier to measure the outcome. It's easier to drive additional um, ROI and so forth. So it sounds
0: like if if you see anything that is going to do rules or require manual classification, run very quickly the other way. That sounds about right.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the you can you can you can build a pilot that looks really great, but um, uh, if it's built on those things, it's not going to work in production.
0: So, well, it's it's case, as we kind of get to the end of our time here, Um, you know, I, I wanted to touch a little bit about on on how you guys are helping to address some of this stuff then, you know, because obviously, you know, pe- people listening to this show or watching the show here, uh, you know, aren't silly. They realize this is your area of expertise. So this must be something that your your company are, are helping to deliver. So, so how are Grokstream helping people to avoid some of those pitfalls, take advantage of some of the opportunities? You know, what is it that you guys are doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, w- you know, we're doing... um. A lot, a lot of the stuff that we've, we've been talking about. One of the areas that we're really, I think, doing some interesting work right now, expanding our, our portfolio, is we're, we're thinking a lot about how the citizen data science within all of these IT organizations can understand the inner workings of the machine learning and really make an impact on how the models develop and grow without being a data scientist. We, we think, so our hypothesis was that the better we're able to do that the the you know number one faster the kind of paradigm shifts number two the better the the models actually work because it, we can we can then exploit what humans do really really well what machines do really really well connect those two and the overall IT process works way better it's more automated uh, more streamlined and more adaptive so that's what we're thinking about a lot these days is bringing the the regular knowledge worker the IT knowledge worker closer and closer to the algorithms not just giving them something to visualize hey not the sort of the what of ai ops but the why and the how of ai ops the closer we bring them in the better we're all going to be so that's that's kind of really exciting work that we're doing today
0: yeah and i think that's interesting because actually one of uh, one of my colleagues talks a lot about this idea of maybe more than ever in terms of technology we're finding ways to put the tools in the hands of the people who need them you know not be abstracted away from that by having to come to a data scientist in in this area or you know having to go to a networking expert or a storage expert while I'm not saying for a moment you know and I hope people don't get me wrong I'm not saying for a moment there isn't a place for these people because absolutely there is but actually for from a business operations and outcomes point of view, if we can put the the tools in the hands of the people who know how to drive the business decisions, we're going to have a much, you know, a, a much more effective, um, effective solution for, for any organization, you know, is it, is that, is that kind of behind your thinking?
1: Definitely. And I, I think, um, yeah, it, it definitely is. The, the, the less we make this, abs- we, and it's not even, it's not a, it's not a, a matter of, of gradation, we cannot abstract the, we cannot require data scientists and machine learning experts to drive incremental benefit on the AI ops side. It has to be done from the knowledge worker, and um, that's not easy. That's that's a that's a hard thing to do. Um, we're we I think we're really good at it at at, at Grok uh, with Grok, um, but uh, you know it requires thoughtful human you know human to machine um, design principles and really putting ourselves in the shoes of the, the folks on the ground doing the work every day.
0: Well, Casey, you know we're kind of getting to the end of our time here, and um, it, it's been a fascinating topic. And I'm sure people probably listening to this have got a million questions. And because I think we have absolutely only scratched the very surface of what is no you know, is clearly a complex and you know and deep topic. You know, it's we, we said right at the beginning, there's no kind of magic button that you just turn AI opt on. And everything just magically gets solved. You know, there's a, there's a lot of work, planning, thought, understanding of where you're trying to get to, you know, there's all of those kind of things there. So so if people are listening to this and want to find out more about either what Grokstream do or find out more from yourself, is, is there a good way they can do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, the best way is just to go to our website at uh, www.grokstream.com. Um, we've got really a great couple of educational series that are going on. One that's a uh, Grok University, where it's really focused on the, the machine learning and data science side of AIOps. Not, you know, not really about our product at all, but very much about the education, um, you know, driving awareness and engaging um, folks, you know, these knowledge workers in this this revolution that's happening. So that's, that's a really good place to start. You can also find me on Twitter at CKendiger and uh, on LinkedIn at KCKendiger. Uh, so both of those, uh, I like to share content occasionally as well, but our website has some great resources and, you know, we'd love to hear from you.
0: Yeah, and well, that Grok University sounds like a great follow up for anybody who's kind of been engaged by the conversation we've had because it sounds like that's the place to start digging maybe a little bit more into the into the details. So, um, so that sounds great. I'm I'm going to go check that out as uh, as soon as we're done here. So, um, but Casey, look, I really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for thanks for coming on the show, and uh, yeah, thanks for being a great guest and look forward to having you on again sometime in the future.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to TechStringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous tech interviews episodes. And if you've got an idea for a show I'd like to appear as a guest then why not drop me an email at podcast at techstringy.com. And to make sure you catch the next tech interviews then why not subscribe? You can subscribe in all good homes of podcasts including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify and you can catch the video version of the show over on YouTube. So until next time thanks for listening.